For a better life beyond your freedom, build back better. Welcome to Salonomics with me, Aaron Dawn, and my best friend, Joe Mehmet. Hi, Joe. Hi, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm well, mate. I'm well. Did you um? Did you like the jingle? Uh, um, you know, it's so bad. It's actually quite good. <laughs> you feel what I mean? <laughs> you know, it, it, it kind of like think right. It's not stylized. It's not so manufactured. It's not clinical. It's not like what everybody would perceive as a jingle. I mean, it's so bad that I quite like it. <laughs> no, I love it. I think I think when you put jingles on the radio, they're really really powerful. They can really yeah, get into your like you know deep. They're subliminal. They go right into your brain, right? The way we're going to look at it, we're not really, we haven't got anything to sell, are we? We're just going to be sort of like, um, it's opinions, our points of view. We're not actually selling a product to, to masses, are we? So, you know, we'd have to spend an awful, awful lot of um, money or efforts just to get a jingle, really, I, I suppose. That's what I, I would think about it, really. Yeah, I'm just going to borrow them for the time being, though, until we can figure that out. But um... Exactly. And, and you know, you know, if we start sort of like making some spondulies, then you know, we we, we improve our production. Um, well, that's why I'm here. I'm here to monetize having to talk to you every single day of my life. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. It, it, it'd be interesting to make some money from talking, eh? That's all right. That's right. I mean, we we are world class talkers. I think most hairdressers are, right? That's right. They got. They got to. I, mean, I remember when we when I first started hairdressing, right? Mm. Um, you know, as an apprentice in the seventies, there was three things that my employer told me never to talk about. Even though, even though I was kind of like a bit of a dirtbag when I left school, because uh, I left with school no qualification. I didn't really know. I really didn't know about sex i didn't know about religion i didn't know about um, politics so it says to me like you know so when i when i got a job right there's three things you never talk about to a client sex religion and politics i thought okay i don't know about those subjects anyway so there's no point talking about it but <laughs> that was education that you actually learned but then as you get older and you listen and you listen and you listen and you listen you actually do learn about sex religion and politics well, I suppose, you know, the times when you worked, 80s and 90s were the heyday, right? You know, you were dealing with high net worth individuals, right? So I suppose they would have some pretty powerful insights into all of those subject matters, you yeah, know, listen. had you brought them up, you know? Well, no, look, listen, I'm, I never brought up any subject, right? Because, you know, so even as a junior, you you you, you, you were standing there holding the hair, passing the roller, passing the brush, you know, you were doing these kind of things, so you're listening. Mm. Uh, you know, you're not listening to the conversation because you have to black that Rank that outright. So you're watching, and you listen to the instructions um, from the hairdresser. You know, sure. past hairdresser, and you had to be literally, you had to be literally five or ten seconds ahead of him. Okay, so when he's doing a section, you have to get the next section ready. When he, when he's passing a roller, you have to get the next roller ready. The pins, all these kind of things. So you actually learn to be perceptive. So you you're listening. I mean, can you imagine it? I mean, this is the first time I actually sort of talk about this. And, you know, I mean, it's come very natural. You're talking to this. Suddenly I was working in New Camden Street. There's all these hairdressers, hairdryers moving. There's people talking this and that. And there's all these ex- activities, and yet you focus on your hairdresser. You know, because he was my um, 
my 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 instructor, my tutor, my mentor, whatever. And I was a junior, right? It's a bit like a sort of like, I wasn't being submissive or anything. I don't get me. There's no sort of sexual intercourse involved with it. But I'm listening to him. So you have to focus. So you have to switch everything off around you so you can focus on that and and because you concentrated so much on that you're not really listening to the conversation so you're not really learning anything so for those that don't know the legend that is joe mehmet why don't you um give us a brief background into where you did your apprenticeship joe and well, I mean, okay, listen, I mean, unfortunately, the, thing, the, the salon that I, I started with, Neville Daniel, uh, Daniel Hutchinson and Neville Tucker, it was a most amazing salon. And, and they actually grew up to, they, they actually did expand to having three most amazing salons, New Cambridge Street, Sloan Street and King's Road. And, and I worked in all three salons. And, and then eventually the partnership did falter in the beginning of the 90s. Daniel Hutchison went his way in Conjure Street and Neville Tucker went his way into Pond Street. And, you know, it was a very hard choice to, to go to uh, because I, I really respect Daniel Hutchison, you know, entirely. You know, I'll do anything for the guy. But where he went into Mayfield, I just saw, like, the, the nice rich environment and I stayed there where, where my clients were and this and that. Sure. And and working at Neville's again, working in that area in, in um, SW one again, it was just the most amazing experiences of dealing with. I'm not going to say ultra high network people uh, individuals, but you, it's just an amazing environment. But you know, you're not, you're not, we're not dealing with celebrities. We did we didn't deal with film stars or pop stars. Or we just dealt with the most amazing people. Sure. Was there was there a difference between um, like the Neville Daniel semantics in the salon to the Daniel Hershersons? You know, even when it was Neville Dan- Daniels, was there a difference in their philosophy in the way they did things? Is that what caused a split? Well, the, 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 the cause is a bit, we, it, like any partnership, right? Marriages and relationships, it, it's always about money. And, and that's what eventually happened. Uh, I, I'm not going to go into the internals because it's, uh, and I was there when it all happened. So I could, I could speak it from a, from a sort of like an outsider's point of view. Uh, obviously, Neville and Daniel will have their, uh, their own views, but you know, one of them will agree with me. In terms of the work, though, in terms of the, like you know, was for example, was Neville's more focused on the Knights Bridge crowd, like you're talking about, and and Daniel was more focused on the kind of the younger crowd. I mean, was that was that a separation? You know how bands always suffer musical differences, right? Was there hairdressing differences? Well, there was, the, the only difference Neville and Daniel had right, when it became personal, it wasn't professional. I mean, I think, you know, it's all like Daniel and Neville always agree, right? Professionally speaking, it was the most amazing relationship. It really was. It, it wasn't a yin and yang. It was just that they had, they had different focuses and they're both, it, they're both fed off each other. You know, and one probably helped the other one back and one probably um, in, in, in sort of like encouraged the other one but it was a very very good marriage and there was a good and there was a good empathy there was a good good vibes about the whole um, business and people enjoyed working for him I mean that was that was a thing that they um, that I, I actually felt that with Neville when working at Neville Neville was a very clever and he taught me something very very um, important that I should talk to my business uh, quite was that 
Yeah. Neville always let the hairdressers shine. Neville, yeah, Neville had his nail on the door. He had this, he had the kudos, he had the status, everything. And the hairdresser that he employed were the stars. He wasn't the star because he already got it. He kind of made it. He made his plateau. And he's resting on that and he's building on that. So, us, there was me, there was Michael Shalambers, there was Terry, there was Paul, there was all these people. We were the stars of the show. And what year was this, Joe? Well, this is when Neville, Neville, Neville and Daniel went on their own. This is the early 90s. Early nineties, okay. So thirty years later, though, there's still two giant brands in our industry, right? Neville's still going today. Neville's still going today, right? Daniel's going strong as well. I mean, Daniel's going stronger. I mean, Daniel's brand is probably a lot stronger than Neville's, um, really, in 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 many ways as well, because yeah, he's he's got his his children involved as well, and then. Fantastic, phenomenal um, um, company, uh, I think, uh, which I, I respect highly. But but they're both in their different ways, though. Um, and again, Daniel's Daniel for me is master cutter. I mean, Daniel's hairdressing ability is is phenomenal. What he can do with a a brush. I mean, he's the first person I ever saw in my life. Right, it would it would get a get a um, start a blow job by rough drying their hair completely. Now, and this is what I learned from that, right? And how do you style hair? You start it from the hair's dry. You don't really start blow drying the hair from wet. Because mm. the hair's wet. So you're not really styling anything. You know, you can't uh, wrap a tongs around a wet hair or you can't wrap a, a sort of a brush around around hair and make it style. So he, he used to rough dry the hair to about 90% dry and then get the brush and whoosh. Amazing, amazing finish. Amazing. And I, you, actually, you actually learned that, that um, the best way to style hair is from dry. So all these people saw, when they're rough dry hair, they don't really know why they're rough drying. They're just rough drying it because it's show, whatever. But Daniel had a method. And, and I learned that method, really. You know? How do you think those two brands are tackling 2020? I mean, obviously, you know, these are two brands that have been around for, for decades but they would never have had to have deal with a pandemic before because obviously this has only really happened um once in a hundred years that's right how do, you think, how do you think do you think they've they're tackling it the same way or do you think that um do you think there'll be differences to how they're going to go about rescuing their salons because obviously for all the small individual salons that are out there and all for the small professionals that are out there um they're going to be looking to someone to for inspiration how they how they need to resurrect their business in 2021 and and, and onwards so how do you think they're both coping with the change well i i think they would they would they're all going to suffer this like all these big salons are going to suffer is, is the they, they all does have their their clientele was very diverse mm. uh, I know when I was uh, in business, and even when I still work for them, they, 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 if you imagine it's like a, a day, a day in the life of a salon in these ultra high network individuals, you had international clients, you had, you had business clients, you had all these, all these clientels in in a given day. Now. All these salons are suffering because these clients, not because they don't want to come to them, they can't get it, they can't get to them. It's as simple as that, really. So you've got a lot of restrictions, as in travel and movement, and they don't really cater for local clientele because they're not in localized um, 
topless, are they? Um, you know, so Neville's in, in, in Nicebridge. How many people live in Nicebridge? There's a lot of people, there's a lot of houses there, but there's, there's a lot of transient clients there. Daniel's in Mayfair. Again, how many people live in Mayfair? Yes, there's a lot of transient people in Mayfair too, but they, they can't really all sort of like all of a sudden change their clientele. So, and the clients that they have, they did have or they have got, they, they can't fly, they can't sort of like move from um, from the country to, to um, into central London. So there's a lot of restrictions. So I will think that every salon, the top salons in, in central London, are going to suffer the same way, not just Neville and Daniel, but they seem to have to literally re, restructure their whole... Um, Salon give for an, a new clientele because the that's that's that that's how they will survive. The old clientele you have to look at it. That's that's part of it. They're gone. They're dead. I'm not saying they die literally, but they can't rely on them anymore because they're not around. So they have to look at new audiences. Um, sure. And how they go do that? That's that. That's their problem. It's not my. It's not for me to. Um, so essentially, they've got to do this, right? <laughs> Beyond your freedom. <laughs> That's right. They got feel back better, right? That's right. And 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 also, you know, how many people do you honestly think could afford three, four hundred pound haircuts or five hundred pound colours? How many people do you think there's a certain age group that can afford that? A certain age group they could probably afford it, but they won't pay it. So again, it's all it's all these restructurings, isn't it? That's they're all gonna do it. That they have to. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting to see what's going on right now. Um, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're. I mean, what? I suppose we should start every show by like saying the date. What date is November the thirtieth, twenty twenty? We are literally three, two days, two or three days away from being allowed to go back to work as hairdressers. Yeah. Um, Still with the restrictions that have been in place all year round, um, how do you feel about these restrictions that the government are putting on us? I mean, uh, I would I would argue they're not really helping our industry in any way, shape, or form. These restrictions are damaging what is left of our industry. Right after this year. They're different, I mean, but it's not just hairdressing, right? It's 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 all it's all industries, okay? It's all shop owners. It's all it's all businesses, apart from online. So so they're they're not going to go into conspiracy or um, sinister, whatever. But it, every business has has been affected. But having said that, I mean, I live in Islington. Yeah, there's a few shops shut down, but also there's a few shops thriving. So again, it's a case of like, what what do people what people need to what they don't need anymore, really? Because I think there was a bit of excessiveness wherever you went. There was too many hairdressers sales on one street for a start. There was too many fashion shops in one street. There was too much of everything, wasn't there? Mm. And and the way I sort of see all this. Um, pandemics, it's retail cleansing. I mean, I mentioned this before and I will mention it again. It's retail cleansing. The ones which are all having cash flow problems now, then they had they, they would have more likely had business problems. They're going to use COVID-19 as an excuse to um, get out or to fail or whatever. And the ones which will survive, that they, they already had a good, strong foundation in it. So they will survive and they'll go into 
uh, into a different sort of level. So you got you got to look at the positives and you got to look at the uh, the negatives. Yes, it's it's sad, but also at the same time, no hairdressing salons were shut. People were still getting their haircuts, right? Because we know the mobile industry, as in the freelance hairdressers, have increased tenfold. Okay, so again, the industry hasn't suffered directly. It is that. These shop owners of uh, the salon owners have suffered directly, sure. really. But hairdressers, you know, if they had the division the and they got the um, the, the sort the the um, encouragement, they'd be going to clients' houses. Mm. And and I've seen that increase because I mean I I got a website as you know I'm, I saw like do a bit of freelancing still I'm not entirely retired, and I think I was getting a lot of inquiries but I'm you know unfortunately they weren't prepared to pay my prices and I said no thank you to, to you know I'm not going to sort of like mm. sort of like entertain that but there is a big demand for mobile home hairdressing services. And- sure. So uh, with that in mind. Um, the PR of hairdressing industry, beauty industry in general, obviously took a massive hit this year when it was labelled non-essential by the government. It essentially put us into this bucket of, yeah, um, people don't really need um, these to see these people, so therefore we can close them up. But obviously what we have seen over the last six months is, is a bit of uh, an outcry against that because we have... Um, seen um, the hairdressing salons as the pillar of every community. You know, there's two or three in every little town. Uh, and it seems to be a pillar of that community where people go and they feel good about themselves. And, you know, to be labelled non-essential and yet we bring quite a lot of joy to people's life well, yeah, kind of is a bit of a contradiction. Um, no, do you agree no, with that statement or not? No, it was, it was an interpretation of non-essential, right? As in non-essential travel, okay? So you, a person living in Leicester... Right. And we, we have done clients coming from all over um, the country. That it, it was literally not essential to go and get your hair done in central London or, or go to Manchester to get your hair done, you know, when you're 50, 60 miles away. So they had to, I suppose, they had to sort of categorise as a non-essential, as a non-essential travelling too. It, it, you don't really need to go to that salon. Your sure, but, but as we've seen this year, words are powerful, right? People get cancelled because other people, People don't like the projection that they're putting into these words. So people are being cancelled left, right and centre for words they say. And now we've got a government labelling, I think it's around about half a million people as essentially frivolous. You know, when they say not non-essential, it does make it frivolous, doesn't it? Well, not really. It's a frivolous exercise because why would anyone, right, go to... Um, travel so 20 30 miles, right? To go and get their head. I mean, they can actually go man the corner, like you sort of said. Local stars are private. I mean, we, we know one guy, um, in Canby Island, John Conano, right? Uh, I believe he's benefited from all this. You know, there's there's um, all these local salons all benefit from it. So, because all of a sudden, it it's it's it plays people's conscious now to think, you know, environmental issues. 
um, health issues. You know, all these things come into their, into their psyche now in making an appointment to go to the hairdressers. They don't really need to do it anymore. So it, it actually becomes a non-essential exercise to actually go to a top flight salon when you can actually go to a local salon or even get this, the hairdressers to come to you. So Yeah, I, yeah, I, can, I kind of agree with you on that but i will put the point to you that people have their favorites um and people will make journeys to go and see their favorites no matter what it is no matter no matter whether that that is their favorite football team whether that's their favorite restaurant you know a favorite hairdresser is going to be the same um you know people come to me from all over essex you know so uh, yeah, and, and and likewise with you, you know, you have people fly in that come and see you specifically. I, I, I've assumed I haven't seen this year. I'm well, this year. of course, yeah. Okay, but uh, let's go back. We're talking about central London now, right? I mean, the, the conversation was, was was about sort of how someone like Neville and Daniel will sort of like get affected by it. Now, again, okay, let's take someone from sort of Essex, yeah, going going into sort of central London to have their hair done. They will drive in, right? You know, an ultra high network individual not going to take. They might take a first class train they might build it but they're more than likely drive drive in right so they may drive into london 50 pound congestion charge okay and then you've got your parking which is a good day's um parking right so about 40 50 quid that they're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna pay right just to come yeah, but to, not to mention these people aren't at work anyway so it's not like they have a need to go for london so okay, they are going to have to look elsewhere or if they've got that much money they can get the hairdresser to travel to them wherever that's, they are that's, that's what they're doing now now before right when there was all these other indulgences when there was a sort of mass greed look, look at me type of culture right it didn't bother them but now, right, it's actually playing into their psyche now. Do I really need to do this? Do I need to risk my health? Do I really need to do this? Do I really need to do that? Just, mm. just to go and do that. Before, right, there was no question they would do it. Now they're questioning what they're doing. And I think that's what COVID's done now. It is, and the government, when they were labelled um, hairdressing and non-essential, is people have questioned themselves, do I really need to do this? And their answer is no. They don't. Because at the end of the day, there's no much difference. I mean, today's hairstyles, we could talk about this in, in future um, episodes. Today's hairdressing is not exactly exciting now, is it, really, if you think about it? You know, it's long hair, it's a bit of tongue in, a little bit of this, a little bit of balayage, a little bit of um, satuja, a little bit of harlots, right? And then you take a picture on Instagram, gloss it all up, thank you very much. It's not rocket science, really. No, no, I I get that. Yeah, I I suppose this era or this decade has been the hardest one to really define in terms of a trend. I mean, for guys, it's been the skin fade and beard, right? Exactly. And for girls, it's been the colour or the balayage, you know, combined with that texture of a a curl or a wave. So we define our entire decade in, in two styles. I suppose that would be it. Exactly. And you, and you know my wife, right? Yeah, you know, she's in property and she's been cutting my hair for the last six months. You know, do you know what I mean? And you know what, right? Okay, there's a few steps here and there, but I'll tell you something, it's, it's a lot more fun when my wife cut my head and go to uh, my hairdressers, that's for sure. Really. Yeah, you're going to struggle to make money out of her though, mate, because <laughs> if it's only your hair she can cut, then... Okay, you know. I'm a hair, and the worst people in the world to cut hair are hairdressers, okay? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? uh, so, so definitely, it's... It, it, there, there's... 
there's so many um, scenarios you can look at with what how the industry is going to go with COVID. But what one thing that they all seem to be bleeding about, right, is that they want to go back to where it was. You know, when, when I looked at look, when you look at sort of LinkedIn Pro, by the Facebooks and all these guys, they all want to go back to the way it was. You've just discovered LinkedIn this year, is that right? That's right. In, in the in the first lockdown, I thought, well, let's go on to it. Let's have a bit of fun, you know, just to sort of like see what's happening. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, and I, what's what I mean? You know, why would why would you use LinkedIn? I mean, what is it with LinkedIn that that drew you to the site? I don't know. I've got a friend of mine actually. Is a guy called Larry Bates. Um, he's, he's in Canada, right? And he was a banker. And he, he he actually took retirement a few years ago. Uh, he's slightly younger than me as well. He took retirement um, for three years ago to to very much the, the month actually. And um, in that time, he wrote a book called How to Beat the Bank about how um, banks don't really do trade um, investors any favors, right? And he and he, this is a guy talking from a first hand experience, right? And um, so he wrote a book. So I thought, you know what? Because of um, he's, he's always been inviting me to go to Canada, and you know, let's meet up and let's do that because. Um, did you ever meet Larry? Did you ever play golf with him? I mean, um, did you ever play golf with us at the Grove? You didn't, did you? I, I, think, oh. I think, yeah, I think you did. And um, so I thought, you know, I'll link up with him and on, on LinkedIn. So just to communicate. Anyway, it, it kind of grew from there, really, to where I got, like, from one connection. I think I've got about 157 connections. And nothing sort of business-related at all, like, you know what I mean? Mm. And um, anyway, so, and then there's all these head other hairdressers, and you kind of start listening to their, um, well, I'm not listening. You, you Them bleating about the same boring issues in these um, hairdressing councils, these um, associations, these federations, these organisations, whatever, right? It is so boring. I mean, it really is. So, so basically, you've discovered what trolling is, right, this year? I suppose if you call it trolling, but I, I mean, I like to be honest. I, I like to be very frank because I've got no agenda. Okay, I've got nothing to sell. I've got nothing to hide. I've, I've done it. Thank you very much. You got nothing to buy as well, right? Exactly. So you know, if you like me, you like me. If you don't like me, fine. You know, he's not going to hurt me. I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to call you names or anything like that. So I go in there and I listen. And the great thing about being a hairdresser is to be able to be able to interpret someone's. Um, request or question or whatever because you know I can imagine you've got a client in front of you says oh I like something different but I don't want to take too much off well what does it tell you you know what I mean you've got to do a complete restart doing, doing um, a half an inch haircut okay but a great hairdresser could interpret that say okay she's prepared to take the risk she's prepared to do something different now do I say this is what I'm going to do or do I just do it now, so you... your hairdressing communication skills transferred to being an online troll. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, no, because you... Read... Your second career. No, 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 because you read the words, don't you? When, when someone posts something, right, you're reading what they're saying. Okay. Yeah, but context is a very difficult thing to translate when written down, right? It is, and, you know, and, and you, you have to interpret what they're saying. 
right? And and a lot of things that I realised, like, you know, we, there's one person that I tend to follow, right? And every time she posts something, she's got like 1,500 followers, and yet she's only getting two, three, four comments. And the only time she actually gets any engagement with the comments, right, is when I actually make a comment because it doesn't agree with what she's sort of saying. But mm. but she gets about 50, 60 people saying, yeah, you're fantastic, you're great, you're an inspiration. But I'm thinking, where's the inspiration? You know, you actually made a point, which is quite irrelevant, really. And who are you sucking up to? You know, sure. there's a new word I learned. It's called virtual singling. Is it virtual singling, right? I learned that. And that's what they're doing all the time. So people on um, on LinkedIn, that's what they're doing. Quite almighty. I mean. So do you enjoy your LinkedIn um, check-ins every day? Or, I mean, is it a source of entertainment for you? Or, or do you like, I mean, obviously, you're, you're semi-retired, right? You're still doing a bit of hair here and there. But obviously, you've got a lot of knowledge to give. Really um, and is this the most proactive way that you can do it by trolling people? No, on LinkedIn? No, no, no. Because I must admit, I personally love reading your LinkedIn. Uh, and if anyone wants to follow Joe, just um, search Joe Mehmet, J-O-E-M-E-H-M-E-T on LinkedIn and go and see who he's gone after because, um, like I say, it's 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 recommended viewing and reading. Well, I mean, there was one like recently, right? There was, there was this... I'm not going to say Chinese guy, I don't want to be disagreeing with that, but it was an Oriental guy, right? He was doing this sort of piece of um, tiling in a bathroom or a shower room, right? And he was doing it freehand with no grinder, there's, there's dust everywhere. And it, it did a wonderful piece of workmanship, right? Hmm. And this guy posted it, and there's all these people going, like, fantastic skills, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, right? And then when you're actually going through, like, you know, sort of like the comments and comments and comments, there's this one guy, he got to say, well, he's not wearing this, he's not doing this. He's also a <laughs> health and safety issue guy. He's best in America, because I sort of checked him out, right? And this guy's been poor Far East. And he's going through all this negative. He's not sort of saying, mate, you know, hats off to you. That looks amazing. Well done. Uh, well, I, I mean, I hope you put it in, put him in his place. Did you put him in his place, Joe? Yeah, I said to him, like, "What's it going to do with you? You know, what I mean, just admire the skills." Well, you know, the guy doesn't probably understand English, what you're writing about. He probably hasn't got a LinkedIn profile because it looked like a, you know, it's an employee. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, like, it's like where people aggregate other people's stuff on there, right? And they never give the, the person credit. Anyway, uh, you see there's lots of Instagram accounts that all do that, where they basically copy and paste other people's work from all over the world, yeah. post it to their page. Their page gets popular. Uh, and people seem to think it's those people that are actually doing the work when yeah. it's kind of not. And it's a little yeah, bit exactly disingenuous, right. I think. Yeah, exactly. It's insulting. And, and it's exactly. Anyway, there's this one guy, right, who you actually saw, like, attacked me. He, he literally attacked me for attacking this. Well, I wasn't really attacking. I just said, say, listen, mate, you know, just in my guy's school, don't be so negative. Right, and with this guy called Gary Patchett, Gary with a double R, by the way. All right, you calling him out? Okay, yeah, I'm gonna call him out, yeah, because he went out to this sort of like, you know, you you he, he actually started saying, right, I was a danger to society. <laughs> <laughs> right, because... Well, you know, you can't be, you can't. Um... 
you can't be throwing your speech around this freely, mate. If there's anything we've learned in 2020, <laughs> speech is definitely not free anymore. Exactly, right? Anyway, so I said to him, but why? You know, he goes, well, yeah, is this, is, is that sort of disguise, um, is this sort of pipe fitter? Is it a health and safety um, advisor, educator, all these kind of things, right? Yeah. Uh, and I'm going, <laughs> listen, the guy did his job, right? He didn't cut his hands or anything. Anyway, this guy Gary Paget, he started sending me some posts, right, of of accidents caused by ground grinders and things like that. I said, that's literally relevant. It's got nothing to do with the post, like you know. Anyway, it goes they, on. They're touting for work, Joe. I mean, isn't that what everyone on LinkedIn's doing? They're all just touting for business, right? Well, this is it. But you don't, yeah. It's, it's your job's worth, right? It's a job. So I start with like, there you go, ding, ding, ding. He's right. a job's worth. Gary Patchett, you're a job's worth, right? I think this should be a week thing we should do it's called joe's call out of the week anyway uh, you can call someone out for um, being a job's worth this is a conversation this is the best I, i've got to hear right if i if, if it was on um, zoom call or whatever i could show it to you this is how he ended the conversation with me joe Mehmet, you're a dangerous society i wish you would go and put your finger in a live socket <laughs> this is a health and safety guy, That's yeah. Safety Telling me to go and kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what a way to um, what a way to treat a prospective customer. As, as wow. he said, I said to him, you know, you're a very nice man. Telling me to go and say like, you know, mm. okay, because this these are jobs where you know, I'm, and there was another guy which I would talk about so sort of later on in LinkedIn. Uh, what's his name? Oh, he was so funny. He, oh, that's it. Um, Max, um, what was his name? Max. He all started with something. Max, he knows who he is. Max Henry, was it Max Henry? American. He, he started with something, and I kind of just made a point about, uh, you know, wars being sort of like um, manufactured by liberal elites, you know, mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, under the, you know, sort of the, these American presidents, right, who, um, who go to other countries to preach their poison because they do not like the country's culture or their uh, regimes, all right? Mm-hmm. And there was a sort of brave soldier who died for for no reason, basically speaking. So I kind of put, you know, call, wars are caused by liberal elites, you know, with no right to go and intervene in other countries' um, politics. Anyway, this guy, Max Wright, started sort of beating about, you know, Donald Trump and Donald Trump this and Donald Trump. And I was like, well, you know, mate, Donald Trump never causes wars. So why are you being so nasty to Donald Trump? And he, he starts sort of saying about his Donald Trump's this, Donald Trump. And I said, well, not really. I mean, I, I, I tell you, I, look, I didn't vote in the American um, election. Right? I've got no, Donald Trump doesn't affect me whatsoever over here. He doesn't pay my mortgage. He doesn't pay my bills. So it doesn't affect me whatsoever. So he started going about this and that. And I go, well, I think you bit. So, so once again, about freedom of speech, right? This is a case of um, this person seems to think that Donald Trump saying some words is more dangerous than actually dropping bombs on people's heads. Exactly, right? Anyway, so he started started thinking, right? And I said to him, look, yeah, you are a liberal elite because you know you, you actually don't. You can't tolerate tolerance. You know, I mean, you 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 preach a preach, but you know you can't accept people's differences. And I and I said to him, look, I'm a smoker. 
Okay? And I, and also, I can't smoke anywhere. And he goes, well, what you do with your body, you're putting all that poison in your body and this and that, blah, 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 right? It's your affair. But don't teach me. Um, if I said, but I'm not teaching you. I'm just saying to you. Right. Then he started giving me all these medical um, reports. And I said to him, Max, you're in retail, you're a sales consultant. How you, can you be an expert in medical um, sort of like science to tell me smoking is bad? What gives you the right to tell me? Well, no, don't segue to egg experts, Joe. I mean, that would get us on a, a whole other branch of thought. I mean, because experts have pretty much ruined this country this year, right? Anyway, very much so. Anyway, so he goes into this all that blah, blah, blah. blah. And I said, to him, okay, there's, there is a report that smoking actually prevents Alzheimer's, it re- prevents dementia, and it prevents COVID-19, which there was reports that, right? You don't, you don't hear about it, but there are these reports, right? Yeah. He, he, won't, he won't accept it. So I said to him, how can you expect, accept one medical report, but you deny another medical report? You know, so you've got to be, if you're going to accept um, opinions and, and uh, research, you have to accept the alternatives as well. That's how you become a tolerant society. Right? Yeah, that's conversation, right? Um, and I think it was Jordan Peterson said, you know, um, in order to think, uh, in order to think, you have to have the right to speech. That's so right. You're going to cause offence somewhere. Yeah. Um, so essentially banning freedom of speech is essentially banning the ability to think which goes which goes question about linkedin right that's what i discovered about linkedin it really is not a business portal at all it's actually a platform for people to preach their stupidity personally speaking absolutely which is why i'm going to look forward to your call outs of the week on linkedin (laughs) i think this i think he's got legs Definitely. It is funny. It really is funny how people think they're so clever and yet they're so poisonous. They really are more. It's good. Well, society's never been more divided, does it, this year? Yeah. You know, I think everyone's got their own little powerful echo chambers now and everyone's got their own truth. And to try and spend your days arguing with people on the internet. Only unless you, you, you know, like yourself, you actually get um, some some joy out of it. Um, but it is really a, a waste of time. A lot. It of is. I, I, but all, all the, I mean, I, there was, there, I've got your catty motorbike, as you know, right? And there's a there's a there's a forum in the um, on Facebook, right? Um, Ducati um, Seven Four Eight Owners Club, right? Forum, yeah. Right. Anyway, there's this one guy. He posted this sort of like. Um, Picture of a Harley Davidson. <laughs> you know what I mean? Catty Owners Network. Yeah, on the Catty Owners Network, right? So is so, that like a red rag to a ball? I said, like, you know, why the hell would you want to post a Harley I, Davidson? Listen, you, you have the, the, the LinkedIn troll has been triggered. I mean, he's basically done to you what you do to the big brands and uh, certain people. So, you know, this is what it's all about. It's a game of cat and mouse, mate. Anyway, we're getting to time, so we better look to wrap it up. Uh, One last thing. Um, What are you up to this week? You got any plans this week? Well, I've got – I'm working – Tomorrow, I'm working Wednesday, and that's it. I'm I'm through all week actually, so I could I can get some stories for you. 
Okay, perfect, perfect. Um, yeah, I, we've got the the British Hairdressing Awards tonight. I don't know if you're aware of that. I do know. Actually, I, I looked at the contestants. I look at all the uh, what well, I, 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 they're not contestants. Not the word is the uh, the um, the finalists. Yeah, I mean it's quite interesting how diverse they become now. They they even go to international as well now. And they've got new sure. they've got these new categories now. And yeah, uh, there's a few categories that disappeared as well. I remember yeah. a famous category was um, session hairdresser of the year yeah. which they got rid of because um my my former boss eugene suleiman i think he won it eight years in a row and he never turned up once so they had to bin that that category because people wouldn't turn up for it but um but yeah well we'll save that for a future show okay um i'm just i'm writing a blog at the moment about remodeling the salon the salon 2.0 my opening paragraph of the whole um blog is um it's essentially the um what you know will will it be the welcoming and vibrant space that we all fell in love with about our salons or will it resemble a cold apocalyptic scene of a high street wasteland because at the end of the day every single salon is covered with hazardous tape toxic things toxic signage everyone inside looks like they're a clean up a forensic scene of some like murder because they're all like wearing visors and gloves and you know aprons and this that and the other do you know what i mean so this year i think it's very very difficult to look at that but you know um i'm writing a whole blog you can go to gosalon.uk to have a look at my blogs if you want um and yeah i mean we can talk about all this more in a in a, in a later show yeah, um, but, but yeah, I, I like I say, we're 45 minutes in um, to our pilot episode. I hope everyone's enjoyed it. Um, is there anything else that you want to let us know, Joe? Well, I think there's, there's, some, there's so much we can um, talk about. I mean, especially, I'd like to discuss this uh, Salons of Tomorrow, actually, because I've, I've got very, very um, strong view of the, on this uh, subject. Cause, uh, well, but, look, let's do that in a future episode then. I've got to publish it first. Um, I've yeah. got comments on there from the likes of Lee Stafford. I think I've got a quote in there from yourself. Um, you know, so I've got a few big salon owners that have all put their tuppence in. So, um, yeah, hopefully it'll be a good read for people. Exactly. Well, no, so I, I hope people will find, find it interesting to, to, to listen to, um, to to our comments, actually, because it's it's it's, uh, it's very valid, actually. People have to change, really, because if they don't change, they're going to die anyway, because, you know, that's that's the thing. It, there's, a, there's a saying, isn't there? Mm. Adapt or you die. That's all right. Anyway, on that note, I think we should end it. Um, hope you have a good week, mate. I'll be looking out for your LinkedIn comments. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next week. I look forward to it. Bye. We did it. We got the first show in the can. If you want to know more about us at all just type salonomics into your instagram or your facebooks and all that malarkey no website as yet but there is one at anchor.fm forward slash salonomics um alternatively follow joe memet on linkedin um it's quite a treat trust me um he's very engaged on there so whatever you do don't trigger him at all because um he's quite sensitive no what am i talking about he ain't at all Tune in some more Salonomics next week. Speak soon.